Hello, welcome to the Cucumber Podcast. I'm producer Theo, and this week we are speaking to Claire Sudbury about how XP can improve the experiences of female developers. Joining Claire on the podcast is Matt Wynn and Artie Mathander. We jump right into the conversation with Matt setting the scene. Really interested in your angle about XP and how it helps, because we're all sort of XP fans and... um, it's, yeah, it's, I've got kind of quite a lot of observations about it that I've made over the years. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because I, I still don't know that it necessarily is good for all women. It just has been good for me. So, um, you know, I found it really helpful because I suffered from all the insecurities that I'm sure a lot of women in IT suffer from. And to be fair, just people, Um, but particularly in IT, because it's very easy to feel insecure and think that everybody else knows more than you. Um, And as a woman, you don't feel like you're in the right place. You don't feel like you're fit in. And it's not just about IT. It's generally the idea that women can use their brains. Um, there's a there's just a general common underlying idea that people don't even think about that girls aren't as clever as boys, um, and that can lead to a lot of insecurity. So the big thing that I noticed was that um, suffer, given that I was aware that I did have these insecurities, that at first the idea of pairing, for instance, seemed to me like, uh-oh, no, don't like that, because I would feel exposed. I would feel like, you know, everybody would find out how rubbish I was. Uh, and then, of course, the opposite was true. But when you're sitting right next to somebody, and not just one person, but if you're working a place where pairing is the norm, then you get to pair with lots of people. Plus, uh, also, if you go to events, so, you know, I get involved in XP Manchester, so I do a lot of pairing at events. Uh, And you work alongside a lot of different people and you realise that all of them, uh, you know, either a bit better or a bit worse, but they all have things they don't know. They all go to Google all the time to look things up. They all make silly mistakes. Uh, And, you know, this idea that all your colleagues are really, really clever and know absolutely everything and have got brains like encyclopedias, it's just, it's not true. And when you pair with somebody, that's, for me, that's a really good place to find out um, what you yourself know and to get actually a lot more confident in your own skills. Uh, and, And it's a really good way of kind of getting over that problem of comparing yourself with others and coming up lacking. Yeah, I completely agree. At my previous role, I, I used to dabble a little bit in um, CSS and Ruby with the developers. And to be fair, we, we made sure we hired really nice and smart people, not you know smart people who weren't very nice but got hired because they were smart. Um, and that, that thing you said about sitting with someone and realizing that they don't know everything and they Google things and sometimes, shockingly, I could tell them something that they didn't know, which, which to me was just mind-blowing. Yeah, and yeah. it's yeah, nice it, when that happens. Yeah, <laughs> and it does give you a little boost of confidence and you realize that everyone Googles and everyone goes to Stack Overflow. And, yes. Yeah. Yes, we had um, we had a 17-year-old girl in with us last week, so she stayed with us for the whole week, uh, and she worked mostly with me for the week, uh, and she was delighted to see how often I went to Stack Overflow. <laughs> 
So uh, we were joking week because we have uh, we we also do mob programming. So we have what we call the mob station. We've got a, 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 a giant desk with a with a giant screen and lots of chairs around it, uh, and we used that quite a lot while she was there. Um, and then we left her pairing at that station with with another work experience guy, and we we so we could see from a distance what they were doing. That wasn't that wasn't the aim, but we could. Uh, and so we were joking. Oh, they're proper developers now. When we saw them on Stack Overflow again, <laughs> that just proves that they they really are doing the job. Well, I have a question. When you talk about mob programming, is that I've never done that, and uh, I feel like. I would be a little hesitant to speak up if it was a big group of people, and um, I think that would make me a little nervous. Uh, being a woman, I mean, not just generally, and an introvert as well. Um, what's your experience with that? Well, it's it's an interesting one because I've been I've spoken to a few people about it now, and I've heard a few different experiences, and it's clearly something that varies a lot depending on the team. So um, the guy that um, is sort of the official godfather of mob programming, Woody Zool, when he talks about it, because he kind of invented it, or he and his team between them sort of invented it. And for them, it was particularly useful because they had one or two developers in the team who were very experienced, had a lot of domain knowledge, and then the rest of them were quite junior. So um, they were finding that the junior developers needed the attention of the more experienced developer a lot uh, and it was difficult for him to, to give them the attention that they needed so by working all together in so just to explain in, any, in case anybody doesn't know what mob programming is the whole team sits around one computer uh, and does just works on one piece of work at a time um, and if you have a lot of junior developers that need a lot of input then it works very well in that sense as long as you have a nurturing environment um, then it's actually very good for knowledge sharing and for actually trying to increase their confidence and encouraging them to take the lead and, and take the reins and there are lots of little things you can put around it in order to help that so um, daily retros definitely having a culture of being able to say anything in a retro you know so being able to raise any issues and, and you also you need people who you know have empathy skills and who are able to spot if somebody's looking a bit left out or looking a bit uncomfortable and can try and tease that out of them um but also um generally so one of the things that woody zool said that their team decided very early on in one of their retros was that one of their golden rules had to be that everybody would be kind to each other uh, and that everybody would respect one another um, and they, they would reinforce that and they would remind themselves of that because it is very easy for dominant people to come to the fore and get quite forceful um, ironically that's sometimes me so I can I, I, I can have strong opinions and, and I can get overexcited about things and I get the bit between my teeth and I want to steam away and do all the coding uh, and leave everybody else behind and, or, or, or shout people down if they, they, they want to try doing it a different way so I have to learn to take a step back. Um, but, you know, that, that could be true of, of anybody. Um, another thing is that they, uh, Woody Zool has a very strong rule that whoever has the keyboard 
is not allowed to have the ideas. So the person at the keyboard is the cipher, uh, and they've got a timer, which we also use, that the keyboard has to be swapped around every, you know, you can define the interval. We're currently working on 15-minute intervals. We've also tried 10 minutes and 20 minutes. Um, but, you know, at regular intervals, the keyboard has to be handed to somebody else. And if you're at the keyboard and you've suddenly decided you think you know what should be done, then you have to hand the keyboard to somebody else. Uh, and that that's really important because it means that um, if you don't have that rule, then whoever has the keyboard under their hands, it, and this applies to pairing, that can apply to pairing as well, um, will just start coding and everybody else will just lose interest or, or not be able to keep up, uh, at which point they all get the phones out and start staring out the window and, you know, whatever. Um, so not only is it important because you need to keep people engaged, uh, important that the person with the keyboard is not the person having the ideas, but also you need to explain to everybody what's happening. And if you have to describe to the person with the keyboard what is going to happen next, then you're also describing it to everybody else who's present. Uh, so you're, and you're also describing it to yourself. You're actually, you know, giving shape to your ideas, um, which is also really helpful. But I think that also helps the problem that if somebody is less confident, if somebody feels like, you know, they just want to shrink into a corner, um, they, they've got a better chance of keeping up. And they also are at least going to have some time at the keyboard, which, given that, that you don't get, you're not supposed to have ideas when you're at the keyboard, but that isn't that big a deal. But it does mean that you are a part of things. But I think you do need to, if you're going to work effectively as a team, uh, and that includes working as a pair, you do have to develop your empathy skills. Uh, and I don't know if you. It, you also, I think, become more confident generally at working with other people, at speaking to other people. Um, so I, I also wrote a blog post for XP 2016 that I think that um, I think that there's been a, a culture in IT of just assuming that people who work with computers are going to be introverts and are not going to have good, good communication skills and are not going to be very sociable. And um, I think it's kind of a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it may well be true. I mean, it certainly is true of me that I enjoy working with computers. I like maths. I like thinking about complex problems. And I also enjoy spending time on my own. Yeah, you, you're just reminding me about the thing that Woody said, because we had Woody on the podcast a few months ago to talk about mobbing. Um, and at some point, Woody fed back to me, he said, this is really what you're talking about here is vulnerability and how when we feel safe enough to make ourselves vulnerable to, you know, be able to express your opinion about something that you dislike about the way somebody else has done something or your discomfort with a, with a design that they've come up with or... Um, or even, you know, something something a bit deeper than that, or, or your, like, lack of knowledge about something and go and look something up on Stack Overflow. All of those things are about, like, making yourself vulnerable to the rest of your team. And actually, when you feel comfortable enough to do that, it does, I think, it makes the whole experience of going to work more relaxing and enjoyable. And um, so it's not even necessarily just about like developing skills and communication. I think it's also about actually 
finding the experience of going to work less stressful, more more fulfilling? I, I was about to say that um, some women will complain about men and say that um, men will talk over women uh, and they will patronise women, uh, and that is certainly true of some men. Um, but some of the time, it's... It's not necessarily that they are specifically aiming that behaviour at women. Um, it's just that they are very confident, uh, or, or at least they feel able <laughs> to um, to jump in and express a view when they have one. Um, and a lot of women don't necessarily feel quite as confident to do that. So if you're hanging out with people who do that, um, then it can, you know, it can make you feel uncomfortable. And if you're already feeling insecure, then it, it makes it worse. And the worry is that if you are used to having that experience and somebody says to you, right, come on, let's do more programming, let's all sit around the same computer, then you're just going to think, oh, no, <laughs> they're all going to talk over me and they're all going to patronise me and this is just going to be really uncomfortable. Plus also, you know, I mean, it is true that we, even if people don't know it, even people aren't conscious of it, that, that, you know, there is a general sort of underlying idea that women know less than men. And so that does feed into that behaviour. Um, and that worries me. So so I'm what I'm saying here is that although my experience is that mob programming and pairing has helped me, I do actually have a reasonably high level of confidence, even though I have a lot of insecurities. I'm generally quite a confident person. Um, and I don't know if there's kind of a cut-off point. If, the, if somebody's really quite insecure and unconfident, then actually being in a mob situation is just going to make them feel worse. So that's why I think it's really important to emphasise that, that thing about em empathy and about teams being self-aware and about everybody looking out for each other and people being aware of that kind of behaviour and on the lookout for it. Um, and that's something that you can't legislate for. You know, you just have to hope that if you're working in a collaborative environment, then you're more likely to... Um, be recruiting people who, who have good, good empathy skills and valuing empathy as a useful skill and a useful team interaction uh, and, you know, kind of encouraging it and pointing it out and, uh, and, and all the rest of it. Does that make sense? Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between sexism and just general assholery. <laughs> and, <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, as a woman, you're just, you know, used to looking out for this sexism and you just sometimes confuse just people who generally are assholes for sexist people but if you observe closely they're like that with everybody so um well the thing i was going to say that, that something that neither of you two have, have ever had the chance to experience is to observe a team of uh, that's only men and um i've walked to, or well i guess you can observe them but not like so i've i've been around and, and kind of coached or spent time working with lots and lots of different teams. And um, one of the reasons that I, I mean, apart from just the general uh, thing of not, it's, it's wrong to exclude women from from any um, job, um, one of the, the other reasons that I sort of care about this problem is that I've observed how dysfunctional teams that are made up of only men can be because of this sort of behaviour of listening to the noisiest person in the room and, um, 
and these these kind of weird behavioral dynamics that seem to go on more i think with a with a team that's just made up of men because obviously you know some men are loud and and assholery as as you described it Artie, and some men are quiet and and shy and not very confident themselves and you you know you really really can easily end up with this dynamic where uh all of the right decisions are the decisions that came from the came from the loudest person the person with who was most aggressive basically um and it's really really dysfunctional um i don't know where i was going with that just wanted to point it out <laughs> do you think that that, that happens no, no, it's really interesting, though, because you were suggesting that it happens less when there are women present. So that, that if, if that is the case, that's a really interesting hypothesis, because why would that be? Would it be because people are just being more considerate because there's a woman present? Or is it because women are better at actually helping, you know, spotting that behaviour themselves and trying to do something about it? Why, why would it be different? Yeah, it's a really good question. So, so I think um, it isn't necessarily about the gender. I think it's about there being somebody in the room with the skill to break through that dynamic, to be yeah. able to see it and cut through it and say, hold on a minute, what do you think, quiet but I know yes. actually quite mm-hmm. insightful person? Um, and and. I just I guess I have just observed a lot of times that that person on the team can be somebody who has maybe more skills at thinking about other people's perspective um and that that often can be a woman on the team that's not, that's a kind of a generalization but I just think I've experienced that teams that are and I think actually it's probably just generally teams that are more diverse in lots of ways they just have that skill more of thinking about what would so-and-so think about this? What would so-and-so think about this? Rather than just sort of sitting in a in a default hierarchy dynamic where they always listen to the, you know, there's always someone higher up the pecking order than them that they yeah, just listen to. That, that, I mean, that is really interesting because I'm always wary of making statements about... Um, because some people will say that it's good to have women on a team because women are better at empathy or because women are better at communication. And I'm very wary of that because it might not be true. Actually, the science doesn't necessarily back it up for a start. Um, But also, it's actually a lot of pressure to put on a woman to say, oh, yeah, we'd like you to come and join our team so you can be nice to everybody and sort us all out. It's like, well, actually, I just want to write code. (laughs) And anyway, you know, please don't... Assume yeah, that just be nice anyway. woman, yeah. that I, I can do all these extra amazing things. <laughs> uh, I, I, Artie, I was going to ask you um, about uh, because I, I'm guessing because you're here, and this might be an assumption, but that, that I'm guessing that you, you know, are interested in the dialogue that's been going on over the last um, few years about the fact that there there are so few women in IT. Uh, yes, definitely. And, and over the last year in particular, I've been aware that it's a thing. I mean, to be honest, I didn't actually think much about it before then. Obviously, I knew I was in a minority and I just mostly just thought, yeah, I'm in a minority. Hey, never mind. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, in the last year, I've been thinking about it a lot more and I've been writing about it and I've been talking about it. And, and that means it's in my head a lot of the time. Uh, and it means that I'm aware of it 
in the work environment, mm-hmm. whereas sometimes I wish I wasn't. So, you yeah. know, it means that I... So what you said before, telling the difference between sexism and just general arseholery, you know, it means that I'm examining the behaviour of the people around me and I'm questioning things that happen within my career and I'm thinking, well, is it because I'm a woman? You know, are people treating me like this because I'm a woman? So if somebody tells me I don't have the skills for a particular job or if I don't get promoted, I'm now thinking, is that true or is it because I'm a woman? You know, and actually... It, I kind of wish I didn't have all those thoughts because it just makes me a bit paranoid and, and suspicious as well, um, which isn't a very Ignorance nice place to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I've been in IT, well, working in IT since 2004, I suppose, and I've had that only woman in the room experience for many, many years. Uh, it's gotten much better now, I have to say, but nowhere close to ideal. Um, but yeah, I'm constantly analyzing things that people say to me and it's always, is it because I'm a woman? You know, did, is that why they said that? And, and I totally get that almost border, borderline paranoia in the head. And um, I, um, um, at one of my previous roles, I was um, someone, one of the developers uh, came up to me and said he was, you know, stuck with, this was some cucumber related problem. And uh, as we were discussing it, I made a suggestion and he was like, oh, yeah, that's good. Thanks for being the rubber duck. And I was like, uh, I, I actually gave you the solution. Would you mean thanks for being the rubber duck? Yeah, it's yeah. a rubber duck. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that guy was generally just a dick. So yeah. It, it could have been any number of reasons yeah. but that that really stuck with me because I was like what does he mean I just told him what to do and, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that sometimes as well I, I, I think the problem is that it's n- hardly ever straightforward or blatant so um if you are for instance you know um trying to um get somewhere in your career and you you don't you're not making the progress you think you should be or that you would like to be and people are saying to you well i don't think you've got the right skills for this um they're not necessarily they're not it's very unlikely that they're thinking oh well she's a woman of course she can't do this it's much more likely well they're probably not thinking about it consciously it's probably such an unconscious bias yes but that doesn't mean it's not a bias that's the problem isn't it so it's what's actually happening in their head they're just thinking well she just doesn't quite fit the role she's just not what i imagine and they're not thinking because i imagine a man in this role they just don't quite feel and a lot of the time people go with gut much more than they you know they try to create procedures and forms to fill in and boxes to tick but really they're going with their gut and they they just don't feel like you're ready yet and that may well be because you're a woman but they're they're not going to know that even that that's why they're thinking that which makes it a very difficult thing to identify and challenge yeah which is why things like not a good cultural fit as an excuse or reason not to hire people is always you know raises some red flags with me because cultural fit can mean so many can be code for so many different things so yes yeah yes absolutely um 
but then you, you, so I've had conversations with people about things like having blind CVs that, that don't have anything on them that would help you to identify the gender uh, or the race uh, uh, of the person who's applying. Um, but the problem is that certainly in the kind of roles that I do, people want to Google you. They want to look at your GitHub account. You know, yeah. they want to they want to see what you're doing in the wider community, and it's very difficult to hide your gender in in that case. Uh, and and also that thing about fit, uh, you're absolutely right. If somebody says, "Oh, they just wouldn't fit," that should ring alarm bells. But then again. Uh, I want people who will fit in terms of culture, in terms of working culture. So empathy, what we were saying before. I want I want somebody who's got good communication skills and who I believe is going to be able to empathise. So when I say culture, that's what I mean. Um, but but I but it's very difficult. You do have to be really wary of, of talking about things like culture and fit. You're, you're, you're trying to hire somebody. Yeah, I've heard that um, the filter that you want to try and apply is is about values. Yeah. So the what you think of as your culture is is really the values that you share as a group. So, for example, you know, valuing uh, helping someone else on the team to learn something over solving the problem the fastest way or the most efficient way. Um, some teams will value that learning. Some teams will not value it and think, let's just give the work to that sh- that really bright guy that knows how to solve it, and let the, the let the intern get on with something else. And that's so that's the kind of the, those kind of values are, the, are, are where you want to try and find a fit. And then actually, people can have those values that can can come from yeah. all kinds of different. That's backgrounds. a really nice way of putting it. I think valuing learning as well, that's really important. And I do think that's quite relevant to uh, if you have women on your team. Because, you know, that whole thing of, you know, being unsure about your own skills and being unsure about whether other people might also be unsure about your skills because they may have a lot of unconscious bias. Um, the more you can learn, the more comfortable you're going to feel. And that is very much a whole team thing. So you don't just think about your own learning. You should always be thinking about your colleagues learning, you know, and how you can help them to learn. And if you do have some brand shiny new thing that that um, that you want to get your teeth into, then involve somebody else, you know. And if you are the person who's the most experienced and has the most knowledge and is apparently the best person to do a particular project then involve somebody else use it as a learning opportunity you know make it so that you're not the only person or the best person for that job I mean actually the the, the most highly functioning team should be composed of people who do not want to be the experts who want to share that knowledge and who, who want to make everybody an expert and who want to if, if you think you're an expert then that kind of suggests that you, you're not open to learning yes Yes, I mean, I, I, I refuse to use the word and I, I kind of, well, I just did use the word, but I mean, I, I, I can't call myself an expert in any area because how could I possibly be? There's just, there's always so much that I don't know, um, which, you know, can cause me problems in things like job interviews because, um, you know, you're supposed to be telling them how brilliant you are, but really I just want to tell them all the things I don't know, but I would really like to learn. <laughs>
So, um, it, it, I mean, it, it's great given the context, but um, I, I've been talking a lot, uh, and, and we, we haven't heard much from from Matt. And I'd be quite interested in your experiences of, of working with women. Uh, you know, whether it, I mean. Is it something that you're conscious of when you're working with women? Do you consciously try and redress the balance? Do you think, do you have any dark secrets to confess? Do you think you've ever talked to or patronised a woman? And have you been able to spot that behaviour in yourself? Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot a bit here. <laughs> my experiences. Yeah, my experiences. Well, I, I think, I mean, I like working on a team in general that's more diverse. I just think it's more kind of colourful and fun. I think homogenous teams are boring. Um, so that's just always been a general preference of mine. Um, I remember one particular team I worked in where we, when we were only about four or five people, we hired uh, a woman and she was brilliant. She was my favourite person to pair with. She was really good at kind of challenging what we were doing and asking me good questions Um and I remember that the boss of the team used to uh, really kind of do that thing you were t talking about, mm -hmm. Artie, with the rubber duck thing of, of kind of uh, either just kind of completely ignoring. Do you remember the Fast Show sketch? Yeah. Where Do you, do you ever watch the Fast Show? Do you know what I'm yeah. talking about? The Paul Whitehouse and Harry Enfield thing. They had that sketch in there where there was a woman uh, in an office, I think, and she and she, like she would say a thing, and and all the men would go, yeah, 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 and then five five minutes later, a man would say the same thing, and everyone, <laughs> and all the men would go, brilliant, yeah. that's it, let's do that. And and uh, it was like that. So she'd get ignored a lot, and and actually now she uh, that person has the the boss person has left, and uh, she actually has a very senior role there, and she's done really well, which is great. Um, and I'm I'm very sort of pleased for her and proud of her. But um I kind of observed there that there was a there was a real frustration for me that there was something about the way people were just instinctively behaving that wasn't for the best for the for the group. Um yeah. and it, it was a frustration yeah. for me to watch that. Um and I think yeah, generally as I've travelled around, as I said before, you know, I just don't see enough women on teams and I think it yeah it makes them more boring teams to for, for people to work on I also sort of see this thing that for some reason we get lots of women in like testing roles mm -hmm. or business analyst roles or project manager roles but not programmer roles I know that drives me mad um you know they're not it's like the problem solving is always a is always a male thing yeah. um and yeah, um, have I got any dark secrets? <laughs> I, if I have, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not self-aware enough to, to have noticed them. I, I don't think I can actually speak for Matt here. Uh, I've known Matt for about seven, six, seven years now, and he's one of the few people in the industry that not just cares about this issue, um, but also act actively does something about it. So. Um, if he's if he's patronised me in the past, I forgive. Well, if, you, if I did, you probably deserve it. <laughs> um, do, do, uh, so just thinking about that, like sort of actionable things. Like, so if there are other people listening to this podcast, men or women, what do you think that we can do day to day to sort of change things for the better? 
because I, I really liked your session at, at XP that it, it sort of it, I, I was hoping it was going to be a kind of call to arms and I think I I didn't get to stick around long enough to get to that bit but what what can we do we we um I mean, there are no magic bullets. It is a difficult problem because it goes all the way back to childhood. Um, You know, the the way that girls are socialised, the way that they're treated, the toys that they're given, you know, girls are not encouraged to do the kind of things that would end up with them being software engineers uh, or even just working in IT. Um, So, you know, we can't make everything better, but... Working within the industry, what we can do is we can encourage, um, you know, young girls to get involved. So we can go out to schools. You can get, you know, companies can get involved with local schools and build partnerships with schools and do, you know, do events with, with particularly with local girls' schools, uh, you know, get girls in on work experience. All of that makes a difference. Uh, but then just within the workplace, when you are lucky enough to find women who would like to work with you... Um, you know, you can nurture them, you can pay attention to their training needs, you can pay attention to empathy, you can generally value empathy within your teams, encourage that as a skill, whether or not you have women working with you. But generally considering, are people being left out? Are people being given a voice? Are people being patronised? Are people being trained up, taken seriously, all the rest of it? Um, but one of the things, you, you, I mean, you just said, you don't get many women software engineers, and I have seen it happen many times that women have started out as software engineers and then moved. And it's not just that they have decided to move, they have been moved. And that really annoys me. So they get sometimes... Oh, it's that was in your paper, promoted. wasn't it? About you, getting, you getting sort of offered different roles yeah, I, and I, having I've to, like, fight to That's right. Twice I've been moved into management roles that I didn't want and had to move myself back out again. Um, but that had to be a conscious choice on my part and I had to really fight for it. Um, and, and actually, it's actually sort of flattering that a lot of the reason, the reason that women get moved up into management roles is because they're seen as having people skills. Uh, and so, you know, they get moved into middle management and then they don't get any further than that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't need people skills to be they, an executive. They don't have the you cut and thrust skills. to be senior management, but they have the people skills to be line managers. Um, and uh, and that's annoying. Uh, but then the other thing that happens is that women get moved in, you know, sideways into testing roles or into uh, analysis roles. The analysis roles, again, are a lot about communication skills, that women are seen to have communication skills. But the other thing that happens is that women start out in software engineer roles and feel very uncomfortable um, because it is it's difficult. Yeah. You're expected to, to ha- you know, have a high level uh, of intellect and probably problem-solving skills, and if they already have insecurities around that, and if their colleagues are unconsciously making assumptions about what their technical level might be, then in the end, they're just, oh, it's it's a relief to, to move into a less technical role. Uh, and so, it, you know, it's not just that they're, that they're being pushed in that direction. They'll often, they'll pull in that direction themselves because they feel uncomfortable in, in a technical role. And I don't think that's because they can't do it. I think it's because everything is conspiring to make them think they can't do it. But then I would say that because I'm a software engineer and I'm, it's absolutely, it's in my blood. You know, I, 
that's why I've fought so hard to stay a software engineer because I love it, and but also because I'm bloody minded and because because I'm a you know I respond to challenge. So if I think that people might think that I can't do it, then that just makes me want to do it even more and prove them wrong. Um, so that might just be me, you know. Maybe I'm just weird, but um, I, it, it doesn't. We're all weird, me. Claire. <laughs> yeah, we're all weird. That's right. Yeah, the, we the, are. We the are. thing I'm, I think about though, when you say this thing about like, because uh, I know that uh, I mean, there's been some some noise about it on Twitter just lately because uh, Facebook missed. Um, sorry, a, a, a large uh, employer in Silicon Valley. Um, uh, sort of attributed their their failure to hire a diverse workforce to being down to the problem of the pipeline. And I think we know pretty well now that the pipeline is not really the problem. The main problem is that women are just leaving when they are in the job because they don't enjoy it. And I think the, yeah. the interesting thing to think about the way you describe that, the the sort of the pull that you still experience to stay in the job, but like that you've had to kind of fight something that was pushing you away all the time it's interesting because I think that I reckon that most men also experience that same discomfort. Like, I don't think it's enjoyable for anybody to work in an aggressive environment where people are being put down and, um, and, uh, not listened to and not nurtured. I just think that boys grow up learning to think that that's the way things are. And they maybe learn some more skills about how to kind of, handle that situation and and live with it but mm. i don't think it i don't think it's good for anybody yeah. i think actually it's just that women probably have a greater emotional intelligence in that situation or a greater i'm maybe i'm generalizing again but i think that the women that choose to leave are basically better at figuring out that this is this i'm going to be happier if i don't have to sit with this and live with this um mm -hmm. and i think that I don't think it's good for anybody to, to work in, in, in that kind of a, a world. That's that's really interesting. So there's, there's two things there. One is that, that you're suggesting that um, women might actually be better at looking after themselves. And that, that there's certainly, I don't know if that's true or not, but there certainly is a thing that, um, you know, I mean, it, it's well known that, 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 that there's a higher suicide rate uh, amongst uh, men than there is women in particular particularly certain age groups um but that you know that, that that men are encouraged to just put up with things to put a brave face on it to to, to not express emotion uh, to not talk about things and that can cause a lot of mental health problems for men um the, the other thing is though that although uh, i think you're you're right that men might just put up with aggressive environments and that aggressive you know explicitly obviously aggressive environments are going to be off-putting to women it's not just about that and you weren't necessarily saying this but it's also about specifically even if it's not an aggressive environment um that worry that you don't have the technical skills and you know in order to 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 have a career as a software engineer you you have you will face a lot of technical challenges uh, and you have to keep your skills up to date you have to keep learning and and i'm sure all of us feel that insecurity that i don't know enough you know if if you add on top of that a general idea that women just aren't good at this you know that that women 
don't have the skills in order to be able to solve these kinds of problems, then that's just one other reason to feel insecure and therefore find it difficult, find it uncomfortable, and just think, oh, well, why don't I just do that job over there? Because that then I wouldn't feel this way all the time. Um, so, I, you know, I'm wary. I, I think sometimes it, it, it's it's tempting to say only women feel this. Because actually, I think anybody working in IT feels this, you know, that insecurity that, oh, I don't know enough. You know, that guy over there knows more than me. I haven't read, you know, I haven't kept up to date. They just said a word I haven't heard before. You know, these people are going to a brown bag on a thing full of words, and the, I don't even understand the description, never mind the title. I haven't heard of these technologies. And that happens to all of us all the time, because there are so many new things coming up all the time that um, it, it's, it's a pressure that all of us face but i think it just is a bit worse for women um this has been great though thanks a lot claire i've really really enjoyed this um i wish we would have had more time to talk at the conference as well thanks for listening everyone um i've linked claire's paper in the show notes below so go check that out and remember to hit subscribe on itunes or soundcloud or wherever you are listening to us until next time goodbye <laughs>